Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 89 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I have some writers with me this week. I have, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, my friend. Very good. This week, we're without B-Rock. She's not with us this week. But nonetheless, the show still goes on. We're going to dive straight into part one. Part one, of course, being the review part. We're going to try to go through... Uh, these cards as quick as possible. There's a lot of different venues to visit this week. We're going to start with a card that happened last Friday, the second card of the Next Gen brand. Um, it was obviously over in the Walker Activity Dome, Newcastle, Tynan Ware, United Kingdom. We're going to start with the undercard. Um, Warren Baster was on that. He moved to 7-0 with a TKO in round two against Imantus Davidatis. That's the guy who um, who fought Isaac Chamberlain in Isaac Chamberlain's last fight. He's a cruiserweight, but he's about six foot eight or something. He's, he's quite incredible, to be honest. Um, he picked up a TKO in round two, so a good win there for Warren Baster. Um, also on that bill, Stuart Hall picked up his 21st career win. His record now 21-5 and with two draws, a points win over six rounds against Jose Aguilar, who had a record of 16-35. and um, Not quite sure why he was in there with a, a guy like that, to be honest. Uh, Bradley Saunders also was on the bill. He picked up a TKO in round one. His opponent's corner threw in the towel in the first round. His opponent had a record of 4-28. and uh, real, real um, mismatch there. Bradley Saunders now thirteen and one. Uh, Jordan King was on the bill. He picked up a points win over four rounds against Adam Jones, that really tough and rugged journeyman that um, that's never been stopped. So a good win there for Jordan King. Anthony Fowler moved to two and zero with a TKO in round four against Nicholas Gayava. Uh, Gayava was down twice in round three and once in round four. We will be speaking to Anthony Fowler very shortly. Also, top of the bill, Josh Kelly. He moved to 3-0. Yet again, he fights a guy with a winning record. Yet again, he looks absolutely fantastic. Probably the best he's looked. Um, you know, some people kind of bashing around saying that, you know, he's he's fighting these guys with winning records, but they're really terrible. The thing is, um, you know, it, it may be the case. I haven't really looked at these guys' records. I know they've all been winning records, but it is definitely more refreshing to see it than see a guy in there with 95-odd losses. So, good win there for Josh Kelly. Um, you know, he, he looked he looked really good. He was fighting with his hands down, really um, flashy style. Very impressive, man. I, I really like to watch Josh Kelly. He, he really excites me. He's a real Olympian to watch out for in the future. So he now moves to 3-0 and with a KO in round one. He ended up stopping Tom Whitfield with, I think I counted, eight left hooks completely um, simultaneously. So one after the other. Boom, 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 boom. Good night. 
So a really good win there, really good stoppage there for Josh Kelly. And I actually almost forgot, also on that bill, making her debut, Natasha Jonas. She picked up a TKO in round one, so a very short debut for her. She picked up a win against Monica Antonik, who had a losing record of 1-3, and three, now 1-4. and four. But nonetheless, a good start for Natasha Jonas, also linked up with Joe Gallagher for training. So uh, interesting link up there. Moving over now to the Dominican Republic at the Hotel Haragua. One fight to mention over here, Javier Fortuna took on Mario Bautre, uh, Mario Bautre 16-2, and two. it was a late replacement, I think he was supposed to take on somebody else, I can't really remember who it was now, but um, Mario Bautre got KO'd in round two, so Javier Fortuna now 32-1 and one with one draw, there was also a person on that card called Donny Garcia, <laughs> not Danny Garcia, but Donny Garcia, I like it. Right, moving over now to the uh, the La Salamandra in Pont-Saint, oh I'm not going to try over in France, basically, one fight to mention on this bill. Eva Mendy, the guy that beat Luke Campbell, the only man to beat Luke Campbell, he defended his... In fact, it wasn't even a defense. I'm not sure what happened. He took the WBC silver title away from Luke Campbell, and he was fighting for the vacant title here, so I'm not quite sure what's gone on there. But he picked up the vacant WBC silver lightweight title against Javier Jose Clavero, who had a record of 21-2. and So Eva Mendy now 38-4 and with one draw. Moving over now to the National Stadium in Dublin, Ireland. Another country, another place, another venue. Steve Collins Jr. lost for the first time in his career a points loss over 10 rounds to Paddy McDonough, who has a record of 10-2, and now 11-2. and It was for the vacant Irish light heavyweight title. So a big blemish there for Steve Collins Jr. It's come a little bit early in his career, very... Um, Unfortunate that I, I really feel for him. Also on the bill, Luke Keeler took on Darren Cruz. It was a points win for Luke Keeler over ten rounds, twelve and two going in, and he's now thirteen and two. Darren Cruz seven and six now his record. That one was for the vacant Irish middleweight title. The new Irish middleweight champion, Luke Keeler. Moving over now to Poland. A really good bill over in Poland actually at the Ergo Arena. Matthias Mastinek topped the bill 38-4. and four. He took on Ishmael Selak former victim of Sergei Kovalev who had a record of 25-3. and three. It was a points win across 10 rounds for Mastinek. So he's now 39-4. and four. Ishmael Selak 25-4. and four. Again he's only been stopped the once and that was by Kovalev. So again he couldn't be stopped there. Very tough guy Selak. Very underrated, actually. Um, also on the bill, Thomas Adamek. He picked up his 51st career win. He took on Solomon Hamuno. Um, Hamuno took on Joseph Parker um, a few months back now. His record 24-3 and with two draws going in. Now 24-4 and with two draws. Adamek picked up a points win across 10 rounds there at heavyweight. Christoph Glowacki was also on the bill. He picked up a win. His opponent retired on his store at the end of round 5. Didn't want to come out for round 6. Glowacki now 27-1. and Good win there. Former world champion. Former WBO cruiserweight world champion. Really good fighter Glowacki as well. He's... Um, he He's going to be in that cruiserweight tournament coming up. Also, Maciel Sulecki moved to 25-0. and 0, Really promising 154 fighter. He got a win over Damian Ezekiel Benelli, who had a record of 24-1. and 1. I didn't really know too much about him, but he's now 24-2. and 2. Sulecki, third round TKO win for him. Adam Bowski was also on the bill. 
He moved to double figures, 10-0, with a KO against Lucas Janik, who had a record of 28-3, so a really good win there for Adam Bowski. Moving over now to the UK, a couple of fights to mention over in Manchester. Top of the bill, Jimmy Kelly moved to 22 wins, was supposed to be for the East and West, I think, uh, something like that, the, the IBF East and West um, um European title, something like that, but the opponent pulled out, I'm not quite sure as to why, but he ended up taking on Kevin McCauley at short notice, um, you know, that that was terrible to be honest, because, um, you know, it was supposed to be quite a good fight, it was by far the, the most attractive looking fight on paper going in, but it ended up not happening, he ended up taking on Kevin McCauley, who had a record of 13 wins and 145 losses, 11 draws. Nonetheless, Jimmy Kelly scraped out a points win across six rounds. Under-impressive there for me. Also on the bill, Con Sheehan moved to 6-0 with a points win across six rounds against Thomas Masrek. Um Thomas Masrek, he's a guy that I think has fought Eddie Chambers. He's fought Huey Fury. I think he fought Tyson Fury. The whole Fury camp have all had a go with him. And um, I'm not sure if he's managed to have been stopped by any of them actually I think maybe Eddie Chambers might have stopped him I don't think Tyson did, I'm not too sure if Huey did, um, but nonetheless Con Sheehan gets in some rounds there, uh, Sheehan was also cut on the left eyebrow in round two, so that's not good it was an accidental head clash just to throw in there, also making his debut on that card, former UFC fighter if I'm not mistaken, Tom Aspinall he's also a product of the Fury Gym he picked up a KO in round one his opponent was down three to times in that first round so really quick start there for Tom Aspinall all the very best to the whole Fury camp and of course Jimmy Kelly as well moving over now to the Holt Suite in Villa Park Birmingham a couple fights to mention on this bill Kelsey Ball moved to 6-0 with a points win across four rounds against Kieran Gray decent win there for Kelsey Ball on top of the bill over there Craig Cunningham the man that beat Anthony Agogo and possibly could have even retired Anthony Agogo. We're not quite sure of his future. Craig Cunningham moved to 19 wins. He's got one loss as well. It was a points win over William Warburton, the very crafty journeyman. Um, so that was a points win across six rounds there for Craig Cunningham. Moving over now to the US. One fight to mention at the Celebrity Theatre in Phoenix, Arizona. BJ Flores at heavyweight. Uh, he picked up a win over Nick Guivas. Nick Guivas 13 and 6 with two draws now 13 and 7. BJ Flores went the distance. It was only a six rounder, but he won the bout pretty easy from what I've heard. Um, a unanimous decision over six rounds. His record now 34 and 3 with one draw. He's making a lot of noise, BJ Flores. I think he wants the Lucas Brown fight. Um yeah, I don't really think he's got enough power, to be honest, at, at heavyweight. I don't really think um, he's suited to that weight at all in terms of stature or anything like that. So, all the very best to him anyway. Seems like a decent guy. Moving over now to the Agua Caliente Casino in California, USA. One fight to mention over here. Very promising prospect, Devin Haney. He moved to 16-0 with a TKO in round 5. It was scheduled for 8. Didn't need the 8. His man, Angel Aspuro, 8-5 and five going in now, 8-6 and six with two draws. Good win there for Devin Haney. Um, one fight to mention over in the Freedom Hall in Louisville, Kentucky, the great place where Muhammad Ali was born and raised USA. Derek Rossi actually got upset on this bill. Um, Derek Rossi, 31-12, and 12, now 31-13. and 13. 
uh, as many wins backwards as he's got losses there. Carlos Negron was in the other corner. He picked up the win. It was a TKO in round four, but Rossi was down in round two as well as four. Um, Carlos Negron now moves to 20-1 and one and also picked up the WBC Continental America's heavyweight title, which was vacant at the start of the fight. Moving over now to the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Former world champion Kermit Sintron got in there against Tyrone Brunson. Tyrone Brunson, a bit limited, but he can certainly bang. Brunson was actually down twice in round four, but Sintron was down I think it was two times or possibly even three times in round five. And that was all she wrote. So Tyron Brunson gets another knockout win. And this time a real big name on his resume. Tyron Brunson now 25-6 and six with two draws. Comet Sintron 39-5. and five, Still looking for win number 40. He's got three draws on his record as well. Moving over now to the Philippines. couple last fights to mention from last weekend that happened on the Sunday. Um, former flyweight IBF world champion John Real Casemiro, the guy that stopped Charlie Edwards when he stepped up very early in his career. Uh, Casemiro, 23-3. and three. He's moved up to super flyweight now. He actually relinquished his belt. He got a points win over six rounds against Jekka Buhawi. A man that I really don't know anything about, but his record was 16 and 13, now 16 and 14 with one draw. John Real Casemiro, a really good fighter, by the way. It seems like a lot of points wins last weekend, not many knockouts, hopefully a little bit different this coming weekend. And also, the final bill to mention from last weekend at the Ford Community Center in Dearborn, Michigan, USA, top of the bill. Former world champion K9 Cornelius Bundridge, he picked up win number 36. He's also got six losses on the resume. It was a points win again, a six-round unanimous decision against Juan Carlos Rojas, who had a losing record 8-20. and 20. And we've really tried to fly through that as quick as possible. That is the reviewing done. It's now time to welcome a man that was part of last weekend's action. It's guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former amateur Commonwealth Games gold medalist and unbeaten professional, Mr. Anthony Fowler. Anthony, welcome to the show. Hello, mate. Nice to be here. You okay? Yes, my friend. Very good. Yourself? Spot on, mate. Spot on. Very good. Nice to hear, my friend. Nice to hear. So, Anthony, you've had two fights now as a pro. Uh, you made your debut on Kell Brook's undercard last month. I just want to touch on the both fights uh, just to start with. The first one, what did you make of it? Finally turning pro after a relatively long wait and then making your debut on a stadium sharp in Sheffield. Yeah, it was an unbelievable start, mate. Like I couldn't believe the reception I got when I when I walked out to fight. I was not like obviously I'm I'm big on like visualizing me fights and me ring walk and stuff. And when I walked out, I couldn't believe the response. People were just screaming, going going mad for me. So it probably gave me a big massive lift, and I, I felt so pumped up. But looking back, I think I, think I, I was a bit too pumped up, and it showed me me performance. Yeah, perhaps a tiny little bit over eager, if you don't mind me saying. <laughs> Um, just, just, we... just, just a little bit, mate. I was written at him. <laughs> yeah, we see that. We see that. You know, we see that a lot with uh, with guys turning over, especially Olympians. It's, uh, you know, it's of course they want to excite straight away. Um, but what I will say, Anthony, you acknowledge straight away um, the mistake that you did make with the punch, and I think that that was very honest of you. Actually, most boxers would have tried to justify it or tried to, you know, pretend it didn't even happen. So I think. Um, you know, it showed some good honesty from yourself there. So uh, congratulations on that. Now, your second fight, Thank Anthony, you, 
was on the weekend just gone against Nicholas Gayava. You had him down three times in that fight and also banked three and a bit rounds there as well. What did you make of that one, my friend? Yeah, yeah I thought it was a great fight for me. It was a big step up. The opponent went bad. He, was, he had a winning record. He knocked out seven opponents out of his nine wins. So, for me, second fight, mate, it was a tough test. Like, most prospects box a lot of journeymen and stuff and I wouldn't really call him a journeyman, but he had a winning record. He had a high calorie showing him, and he took the fight. So I was glad before because he was tough, and like I said, he went down three times. And every time he was trying to get up, so so that's what I want me. I don't want these kids to just fall over and go down. I don't want to get up. Just want to get paid and go home. I don't, I don't like that. I want people who want to come to the fights and try and win because the more they try and win, the more I can show what I'm about. Yeah, yeah, we all we all certainly want that. Now, let's take a little step back from the bright lights for a moment. Let's focus on the gym. You decided to link up with Dave Caldwell. Dave is a man that we've had on this show, if I'm not mistaken, more times than we've had any other trainer on. He's probably been on about four or five times, but every time he comes on, he's on for a few... Well, he's, he's on for quite a while. He, he likes to chat, Dave. Um, a very underrated <laughs> trainer, in my opinion, and his, his recent results speak for themselves. How are you finding working with Dave, Anthony? Yeah, it's brilliant, mate. Like me and Dave, we straight away he's got a good connection now where I understand what he wants from me and he knows that I'm trying to my best to do it. He's trying to change a lot of, a lot about me, a lot of stuff and he's adding a lot of new things to my game. Like my body shots, for example, like everyone was saying, like what a great what a great body puncher I was in my, in my last fight but but previously I've never been known for body punching, I've always like knocked my opponents up with headshots, so that's the first time that I've not I've stopped someone with a body shot since I was like sixteen. So that, that, that just shows that what they've shown me is work in the ring. And I think over the 12 round format, my body shots are going to be key because I am standing with, with them in nice and, nice and swift. Yeah, no, it does look from the outside looking in, it does really look like you've gelled kind of straight away with Dave, which is very good to see. That's obviously very important. It's. Uh... Uh, to, to have that relationship with with a trainer fighter kind of thing. Um, also, obviously, your first fight was a four rounder. This one was a six rounder. How quickly do you see yourself moving on to that perhaps ten rounders and twelve rounder stage? I think I'm going to move quite fast to be honest. Um, like at the moment, I haven't really been tested. If that me say two bones, the second one was durable, but he couldn't really match me in any, any department. He was swung, he swung a few in, but. Overall, I was clearly out boxing every single round and got enough. But as soon as I get to opponents, you can start matching me to get to that level. Without being big headed, I'm going to move up quite fast. And I want to be in fights where I'm getting hit back and I've got to be switched on and move because I'm big on entertaining the fans. I believe that my fan, I have a lot, of, I have a lot of support. I'm so grateful for it. But I believe that I should be putting like shows every fight. I should put a show on for the fans because. It's, it's an event in the day. It's a nice out for them. They want to enjoy themselves. They don't, they don't want to see me going out blasting the kid over in one round. They want to see a competitive fight with the day in my afternoon. I want, I want to show like, I've got a big heart and I'm very tough. I don't want to show it as in like, taking that shots, but if I need to, I will dig as far as I need to dig to get the win just for myself and my, and my supporters. And obviously, you've been sparring. Um, you know, everybody knows about about your, your spars with Carl Froch. He's a guy that you um, look up to in some ways, I suppose. Um, who have you been sparring lately, Anthony? Was that was that Carl Froch spar? That was a while back, or was it recently? I didn't think it was recently. Yeah. Wrong. No, no, it was. No, I haven't sparred Froch for a long time. For this last fight, 
I still spar the GB lads now and again. Amateur like Pat McCormick, Ben Whitaker. I spar, I spar Josh Boatti the other day. And um, for, for professionals, I sparred um, Liam Liam McKenzie. He was a great spar for me. He'd be done a great eight rounds. It was a tough spar, probably the toughest spar I've had as a professional. So I've had, some, I've had some, a good bit of variety of sparring. I just need to um, maybe travel a bit more and get the top level sparring. And like Billy Joe Saunders is in Sheffield now and Kel Brooks fighting again soon. So there's two people I'd love to spar. I'd love to spar Billy Joe and I'd love to spar Kel. And you, you gave a shout out there to Leon McKenzie, you said. Yeah, Leon, he was, I was surprised how tough he was, mate. He was very, very tough and he boxed at a good weight rate, so he, he, he pushed me hard. We had a, get a great eight rounds, me and Leon. I think people, people would have paid to watch it. It was a, it was a great spar for both of us. Yeah, he's a, he's a good friend of the show. I uh, I feel sorry for him at the minute because his fight's just been pushed back. But uh, uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't see him that, mate. I was good to vote him out. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. It, it he's, a, he's, a real, he's, a hard, he's a hard worker, mate. Yeah, yeah, God bless he's him. He's a hard worker and he's a grafter, so he deserves the best, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we all know that you've had an extensive amateur career, way more fights than most fighters have. The bad thing about that in some cases is that you can end up finding it hard to adjust to a pro fighting style. How are you finding that process, Anthony? I think there's still things I need to work on. Like, I think sometimes I get a bit excited in the, in the, like, in the fight today. I caught them, I got a bit excited and a few too many shots because... On my GB days, I boxed at a real high intensity. That intensity I boxed at, I couldn't do for 12 rounds. It'd be basically impossible. So I need to be a bit more clever, a bit more cute, and not make as many mistakes. Just be a bit more safety first. Like, you look at, like, Maven and people like him, he'd always be a bit more clever rather than take unnecessary risks. And I think a few times I got caught with that shot because I was too over-eager trying to hurt him. Whereas next fight, I need to take that into consideration and... You can have me jab and make them for sure and catch them rather than just rushing in because on the third round I just, I just like step back a bit and just like count jab them lent back and waited for the counters and the lad couldn't touch me and eventually I just I got the opener and put him down and then once I sensed a bit of blood he was hurt I just didn't let him off the hook because that's what I'm like I just once I get someone hurt me I just close the ring down and just try and take them off. You certainly did, you certainly did. Now, most people thought you were going to be campaigning at middleweight, if I'm not mistaken, but you're you're fighting at 154, is that right? Yeah, both, both my fights I've weighed in at 157, and I've made the weight quite easy both times, so the championship fights I'll be 154. Okay, and any idea when you're next out at all, Anthony? Yeah, I've been told September, but um, I'm waiting for the soldiers to confirm, but I'm hoping um, Matthew will have a show in September. And Liverpool. Oh, Liverpool, yeah, that would be nice. And how many more yeah. fights before the year is up do you think that you'd, well, do you think that you'll have, but would you want to have? Yeah, I think realistically another three would be nice. Maybe September, October, maybe November. Just, I'll just do what I'm told, mate. I'll just see how it goes. Just take one step at a time. I've got a little break, a little break now and then. I'll have like 10, 10 12 weeks for the Liverpool fight. After that, I'm just, I just stay busy. Then I want to be very busy, and I want to keep building the momentum. I feel like I've got people getting more and more interested in me every fight I have. So I want to keep building on that and boxing regularly and showing what I'm about. I want to be in some good fights. And if I can get you to set a bit of a goal here, Anthony, I'm sure that you've probably already got a personal goal. But if I ask you, in a realistic world, where do you see yourself in boxing in the next 18 months? So at the back end of two, of, of 2018, where do you feel that you'll be in your career at that point? 
Um, I'd love to be British champion. Maybe move on towards European level. That'd be that'd be brilliant for me. Yeah, I think that's and uh, possible as well. The way, the way I'm moving. Yeah, I think that's very possible. Very possible. Right, three questions. Three questions I want to throw at you now, Anthony, and um, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Okay, so uh, try your best to to, to not on, sit man. on the fence. You ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm never on the fence, mate. I just say how it is. Right. Um, the big middleweight clash, uh, Canelo and Triple G. How do you see that one playing out? I see it being a close fight. I see I see him, Golovkin coming forward. I see Canelo trying to sit in the pocket and use tough defenses to catch him coming in. Maybe a little bit of movement around the ring, but I think it'd be a close fight where people can't sit with the winner. But I think with the Canelo being a big, a big pay per view draw over in America and. Obviously, the Mexicans all love him. I think Canelo's going to get on points. I think even even Triple G deserves it. Canelo's going to get it because he's the big, the big ticket draw. We certainly don't need any more controversy with uh, with these big fights. Hopefully, it doesn't go down that way, and we we, we see a clear yeah. winner. But uh, yeah, absolutely, great great yeah. fight, one that we're we're all looking forward to. And now, one at the one fifty four limit, a man that we had on the show a couple of weeks back, Austin Trout. He's uh, well, I suppose you could you could say he's better years behind him. He certainly wouldn't admit that, but he takes on uh, Jarrett Hurd, a man that I got to be honest, I haven't really seen too much of him. You you may have, you may not have. Have you got any kind of opinion yeah. on that fight? If not, then it's fine. Um, I haven't seen the opponent, but I've seen South and South a quality fighter. I've only I've seen Canelo beat him, but I think South beat. I'm not South because I think if I can. If yeah, I'm thinking yeah, correctly, yeah, right, yeah. I think South. I think South's a, a good city, all good fighter for most, and I think I think South will win that fight. Yes, yeah, uh, certainly a good fight. Certainly, um, his chance to regain champ- championship status. And finally, this one I was kind of saving it till last because this one is a serious on the spot one, Anthony. This one, um, <laughs> I'm going to be smiling while I'm asking this one. Aside from yourself, and I know that all of these guys have got humongous potential, but who do you see as being the standout, the man who could go all the way and stay there for a while out of the rest of the uh, recent Olympians that have just turned over? Obviously, you've got Joe Caldina, Josh Buatzi, Josh Kelly, Lawrence Okoli, and the rest. Who do you see being the standout name, the more, the most special? I'll probably say Josh Buatzi. Um, at the moment, going, going from his Olympic performance, you one of the best boxers of the whole tournament for me. And Josh really stood out in the Olympics. Um, I've done a lot of sparring with Josh, and he's very tough. And you know, a great sparring. So you, 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 you tell you, I think your stars and the professional is perfect. He's very explosive. He works the body great, and I think Josh is going to go very far. But like you said, we can all go far, mate. Look, look, look at Josh Kelly's flying. Cody has got the speed and the skill. A Cody's all with a bang. So we've all got our own little sense of weaknesses. I mean, like Josh, got things you need to improve on, and so forth. We all have, but I think Josh is going to do great, yeah. Yeah, Josh Kelly's a man that certainly excites me a lot. Josh Buatzi, I'm looking forward to his debut. Josh Buatzi, funny enough, he actually grew up on the same estate as me. So uh, me and him have known each other way yeah. before the boxing. I actually remember a time when we were uh, we were we were kind of play fighting once, and he got me in a. Do you remember the uh, the Chris Benoit cripple across <laughs> face? Do you remember that? <laughs> he got he got me in one of those yeah he got me in one of those wrestling moves. I'm waiting for him to make enough money, then I'm going to try and take him down the uh, try and get a lawsuit going about that. Shoot. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> right, Anthony, just yeah, before no, I let you go, my friend. Sorry, go on. And I was going to say I think Buatti's going to go very far, but 
we all can mate we all, we're all a great gang, yeah. gang of fighters and we hope we're all fair determined I agree my friend I agree and just before we let you go Anthony I just really wanted to give you an opportunity really just to uh, to, to send any kind of message to anybody who could be listening to send any kind of shout out to your training team your sponsors anything anything you want to say before we let you go yeah I just want to in general just thank everyone who's supporting me I've got a lot of support like a lot of people are interested in my career and they're giving me a lot of positive feedback all the time so just thanks to everyone who's been supporting me on social media and at the boxing shows, wishing me well. It really does mean a lot. Like, boxing's a very tough life. I've moved to Rotherham on my own. I, I live in Rotherham five days a week, which it's very tough down there on my own. And literally, like, after the training, I go home and I'm going to empty little flats. It's, it's hard, but just the support of all people who would be on me, it just gives me that, that little lift and makes me realise that I've got a purpose what I'm doing and I'm on a, I'm on a goal and I'm so focused. So just, just thanks to everyone who's been supporting me. That means the world. Well said, my friend. Okay, listen, Anthony, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, thank you for giving us some time. We'll be following your journey to the top, absolutely, and hopefully we speak again very soon. Thanks a lot, my mate. Thanks a lot. Speak to you soon. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. But before we get into that, I'm going to go over to Ayaz with the latest boxing news. And also, if you're listening for your chance to win a Anthony Yard signed boxing glove, we will reveal more details at the very end of the show. So listen out for that. But before we start the preview, and I'm going to go over to Ayaz, as I just said, with the latest boxing news from this week. Gerald Washington is facing Big Baby Miller. Yes, a really, really good fight. Um, I can't remember the date. It's just slipped my head at the moment. But a really, really, really good fight. Obviously, we've wanted Big Baby Miller to be in there with somebody that has a name, with somebody that we know a little bit about. This is that fight. Um, Gerald Washington coming off that loss to Deontay Wilder, a fight that he was pretty much winning every round until he walked onto one. Um, And I think it was stopped a little bit prematurely, to be honest. But um, both guys have been on the show. Um, Gerald Washington's a really, really, really cool guy, man. So I wish him all the very best. And also to Big Baby Miller, but a really um, intriguing contest, that one, at heavyweight, of course. Adrian Broner versus Mikey Garcia will be shown live on Sky Sports. Yes, a fantastic fight for next month. A really, really, really great fight. It's one month today till that one kicks off. We had Mikey Garcia on last week's show. Um, I just cannot wait for it. I'm really happy that... A UK broadcaster has picked it up. I don't think that um, it could have escaped both Box Nation and Sky, to be honest. But um, yeah, I'm pleased that Sky have got it. It's a fantastic card. It really is. Billy Joe Saunders has left trainer Adam Booth and now has linked up with Dominic Ingle. Yeah, an interesting one. Um, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be pretty interesting to see how it all really pans out. I mean, you know, we've had Billy Joe Saunders working with. The Tibbs, you know, Jimmy Tibbs and, and Mark Tibbs. We've also seen him partnered up with the MGM crew. He had a few unknown faces in his in his corner for his last fight, actually. And then he went with Adam Booth, and we haven't actually seen him fight under Adam Booth, which is a bit of a shame, really. It kind of seems like he was just there while he was ticking over. So I don't really think he gave that enough time. But his reasons, if I'm not mistaken, are because um, it's all a little bit too close to home being in London, training in London, he wants to go with a trainer outside of London, so he's decided to go up to Sheffield and link up 
um, you know, with Dominic Ingle at the Winkerbank gym. So it could be a really good choice, but it could go horribly wrong. Um, but no, we wish him all the very best. Again, he's a man that we're very big fans of on this show. We'd just like to see him a little bit more active. But no, all the very best to BJS. Manny Pacquiao versus Jeff uh, Horn will be shown live on Box Nation this Saturday. Yes, uh, late Saturday, early Sunday hours, of course, Box Nation. Um, I'm happy about this, actually. It wasn't going to be on UK TV, I don't think, until the very last minute they struck a deal with Box Nation, so I'm happy about that. Um, a lot of people bashing Manny Pacquiao for taking this opponent. I'm not really... I'm not really in favour of that. It's a mandatory, you know. Like I, I saw another podcast. I won't mention any names because there's a lot of other podcasts out there that um, that that do things their own way. So I'm just going to leave it at that. But I saw another podcast saying that you know they were asking questions: Should the WBO belt be taken away from Manny Pacquiao if he's not serious about boxing? I don't know how you can say that because Manny Pacquiao is defending his title against his mandatory if you look at the other guys in his weight category that have defended their title Keith Furman okay before the last unification with Danny Garcia and I give both men credit to that who had he fought okay he fought Sean Porter but before that it was a list of who's who um, apart from you know Robert Guerrero I suppose who's pretty much way past it now um, that's Keith Furman Danny Garcia he hadn't really fought anybody at 147 um Anybody of true note before taking on Keith Furman. And also Kel Brook. We all know about his opponent choice before he ran into Errol Spence. But when you look at Manny Pacquiao, he hasn't been inactive. He's been fighting you know, here and there. He's been defending his title regularly enough. He's been in the game for a long, long time. He took on uh, Tim Bradley. you know. So Tim Bradley, even though people forget about him, the Desert Storm, he is... Arguably the top, the top, you know, the top two, three guys at one four seven, and a lot of people that have just jumped into boxing in the last couple of years. There's a lot of casuals that have just jumped on board, probably don't even know who Tim Bradley is. So it's a shame, but nah, you know, the real, the real, the real boxing fans know what's what. But um, yeah, I don't really want to see him get bashed for this. I wish him all the very best. Pacquiao's a, a tremendous fighter, a man that gets my utmost respect. Doesn't matter who he's fighting, to be honest. At this stage of his career, he's an absolute superstar. Okay, Marco Hux is the latest person to be announced to the uh, in the cruiserweight division for the World Boxing Super Series. Yeah, Marco Huck really didn't impress me in his last fight. Um, I don't really think he's got too much to offer anymore. Um, it's a name, but that's really it. I think he probably loses to everybody who's been put in the tournament that I've seen so far. I think he's just purely a name. I don't really have any any anything else really to add to that. I think he loses pretty much against anybody in there, if I'm honest. Jamie Cox has signed up for the World Boxing Super Series in the Super Middleweight Division. Yeah, Jamie Cox, um, you know, he's been crying out for a big fight for a long time. This is going to be a platform that will deliver that, you know. George Groves in the mix as well, so there's potentially some really, really good fights for him out there. And... Um, it's going to be interesting, man, because, you know, he talks a very good game. He fights a good game when he fights properly. When he's a bit a bit angry, perhaps taking some emotion in, we don't see the best of him. But that man can fight. And I think that man gives um, a lot of top guys problems. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he progresses when he's moved into those types of fights. So, you know, his future's bright. I'm looking forward to see what happens there. Yep. And finally, Joseph Parker will make a second defense of his WBO World title against... Pee Wee Free this September at Manchester Arena. 
yes, finally it's on. We didn't quite know what was going on. It was supposed to happen in May. It was supposed to happen in July. It was supposed to happen in New Zealand. You know, it's there's been many, many rumours, but it is finalised now for September. I can't remember the date off the top of my head once again, but... Um, yeah, it's, it's happening over in the UK now, which I felt all along it wouldn't happen in New Zealand. So it seems like this one is certainly going to be happening. It seems like it's a deal done now. They've announced it officially. Joseph Parker's going to be here next week, if I'm not mistaken, in the UK. Um, I think they're going to probably do a press conference. So, yeah, good stuff, man. I'm, I'm pleased for Joseph Parker to get a big shot over here. And I'm also pleased for Huey Fury to finally, you know, get in a... A real fight, a real fight. We want to see him tested, just like we were saying the same thing about Anthony Joshua. They were both on the same kind of level, but with Huey Fury's inactivity, he's kind of slipped a little bit. And Anthony Joshua, rightly so, is now the more talked about, you know, the more talked about guy, uh, you know, the the bigger name and all that kind of stuff. The the more success is with him. So, I I think. It's going to be interesting to see if Huey's on that level. But he does fight because he's been out the ring for, I think it's about 18 months at the moment. But he does actually fight um, in about, I think it's next weekend on the uh, on the Copper Box show as well. So he's just going to get in there, hopefully go a few rounds, brush off a few cobwebs before the fight. Which I always felt he was going to do anyway. Especially when the injury claims came out and the fight got postponed i just i just it didn't see it right with me i'm not saying anything but uh yeah great to see that fight finally back on anything else for us as oh no that's it Okay, thank you very much, Ayaz. Moving over now to the previewing. We're going to start with a card over in Canada. One fight to mention on this bill. Um, former Olympian from Colombia, based in Canada, Oscar Rivas, 20-0. He's in a 10-rounder at heavyweight. His opponent yet to be announced. That's at the Scotia Bank Convention Centre in Ontario, Canada. Moving over now to the Huntington Center in Toledo, Ohio, USA. A man that we were actually supposed to get on the show this week. Hopefully we get him on in a few weeks' time. Robert Easter Jr. His record 19-0. He takes on Dennis Shafikov, 38-2 with one draw. It's for Robert Easter Jr.'s IBF World Lightweight title. Both men last year took on Richard Comey, who we've talked about pretty highly on this show. He's from Ghana. He's a real banger. Um... Both men actually beat him on a split decision that most people would tell you could have gone either way in both fights. So they're both pretty much on the same level if you go by those two fights there. But Styles make fights, and this one should be a really good fight. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Denis Shafikov also last year beat friend of the show and really good friend, personally, of Robert Easter Jr. in Jamel Herring. So a little bit of revenge for him, I'm sure. But um, yeah, all the very best to both guys. Hopefully Robert Easter Jr. pulls it out of the bag. Really exciting fighter. Also on that bill, Julian J-Rock Williams gets out again. His first fight back since being knocked out brutally by Jamal Charlo. Um, for the IBF world title at 154. He's back at 154. He takes on Joshua Conley, who has a record of 14-1 and with one draw. Julian Williams, 22-1 and with one draw. That's it for Ohio. Moving over now to Argentina. This one happening on Saturday. Those fights before on Friday. One fight to mention over in Argentina at La Parque La Pedrera. <laughs> over in 
Argentina, as I said, in uh, in Villa Mercedes. Probably saying that bit wrong. Diego De La Hoya, cousin of Oscar De La Hoya, 18-0, puts his WBC Youth World Super Bantamweight title on the line against Alan Castillo, who has a record of 21-6. and That's it for Argentina. Moving over now to Belgium. I am pretty confused about this one. Joe DiGeco, 11-2 with one draw. Alias, of course, Big Joe. He takes on Michael Sprott, 42-27. and 27, Our very own Michael Sprott. And it's supposed to be an eight-rounder at Cruiserweight. Now, Michael Sprott has never fought at Cruiserweight. Even when he made his debut, which was the time he weighed in his career lowest. It was about 207, 208 pounds. He needs to drop below the 200-pound limit. And that debut that he made was actually 20 years ago so for him to drop down even though in his last few fights he's been weighing about 240 you know 238 and stuff like that i i just cannot see that happening i'm not sure if that's a complete error there by a box wreck but um yeah i think um <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be funny if it does happen but yeah all the very best to both men if it happens at heavyweight or or cruiserweight or any kind of catch weight or whatever but moving over now to the casino d'evian in france um one fight to mention over here really brian carlos castano a man that i'm going to be completely honest i don't know the first thing about him he puts his interim WBA World Super Welterweight title on the line against Michel Soro, who has a record of 30-1 with one draw. That should be a really, really good fight, especially for the French standards of late. Um, yeah, I don't know too much about Castano. I know that Soro's a pretty decent fighter, so hopefully that's a good fight over, over there in France. Um, that's it for France. Moving over now to Germany. One fight to mention over here for the vacant EBU European light heavyweight title. Dominic Bozel, 24-0. Bright prospect takes on Caro Murat, 30-3 with one draw. Murat been in there with the likes of Bernard Hopkins. I remember Bernard Hopkins really made him look silly a few years back. I think he also shared the ring with Nathan Cleverly, if I'm not mistaken. His better days are certainly behind him anyway, but... Decent fight, one to mention, of course. Moving over now to Moscow, Russia. Two fights to mention on this bill. Top of the bill, Alexander Povetkin, 31-1, takes on Andrei Rudenko, 31-2. Decent fight in terms of um, looking at it on paper. Really and truly, Povetkin should absolutely walk through Rudenko, providing he's not on any kind of dodgy substances. It's, it's all been a bit strange with both guys there, so... Um, Hopefully it's a clean fight, and I really mean that in, in, in both terms, to be honest. That one's for the WBO International Heavyweight title. All the very best to both men. Also on that bill, Edward Trojanovsky, 25-1, and one, coming off his loss where he was stopped in the first round against Julius Indongo. He takes on Michele DeRocco former opponent of Ricky Burns. He's absolutely awful and he's got one of the most padded records I've ever seen. 41-2 and two with one draw. Troyanovsky should probably stop him, I'd imagine. That's it for Russia. Moving over now to the O2 Arena this Saturday. 
the Matchroom card over there. Greenwich, London, United Kingdom, of course. Couple fights to mention on this bill. I'm going to start with Jamie Cox. He's on this bill, 22-0. Obviously, we talked about him in the news part of the show. He's out again. His opponent yet to be announced. Apparently, Mike Perez is also on this bill. His record, 22-2 with one draw. His opponent yet to be announced. The debut of the Olympic bronze medal winner, 2016 in Rio, Joshua Boazzi. I shared a little towel, actually, between myself and him earlier on in the show when we spoke to Mr. Anthony Fowler. Um, he makes his pro debut. His opponent yet to be announced. I'm very excited for his his future in the sport, absolutely. Also on the bill, Craig Richards. His opponent yet to be announced as well. Connor Ben takes on Danny Little. Danny Little with a record of 4-31. and 31. Connor Ben 6-0. and 0. Isaac Chamberlain takes on Ryan Crawford, who has a record of 2-2 two and two with one draw. Isaac Chamberlain, 7-0. and oh. He's in a six-rounder at Cruiserweight. Also, a potential foe of Isaac Chamberlain, also at Cruiserweight, 3-0 um, oh now with three knockouts. Lawrence O'Coley, he takes on former foe of Isaac Chamberlain, Mr. Russ Henshaw, 7-5. and five. He's gone into journeyman mode a little bit lately. Um, Lawrence Okoli, this fight was supposed to happen about five times. It's finally happening, and I think he's going to win that fight probably by stoppage pretty early. Um, he'll be looking to make a statement as well, but it seems like Russell Henshaw's mindset has changed since losing to Isaac Chamberlain, in all fairness. Um, yeah, those guys. I remember last time we spoke to Isaac Chamberlain on the show, he kind of said a couple words about Lawrence Ocoli wasn't really spiteful or anything, to be honest. But Lawrence Ocoli went straight on Twitter and started um, giving him some, um, you know, giving him some abuse. Isaac Chamberlain didn't really respond to it, to be honest. But um, I haven't really spoke to Isaac since, actually, which is pretty odd. But yeah, that's that. Also on the bill, Jake Ball, eight and one, takes on Pablo Sosa, a man that has a better fighting style than his record may suggest he's a better fighter than his record may suggest his record eight and seven with three draws we'll be speaking to jake ball very shortly also on the bill reese Bellotti nine and oh looks to move to double figures this one's for the vacant wbc international silver featherweight title against jamie spate 15 and 11 also on the bill matthew ryan puts his english super welterweight title on the line against ted cheeseman matthew ryan 14 and one ted cheeseman eight and Oh, and top of the bill, friend of the show, a real, real good guy. I really, really, really got a lot of time for him. Mr. Frank Buglioni, the British light heavyweight champion, 19-2 and with one draw, puts his belt on the line against Ricky Summers, 13-0. and Ricky Summers coming into that fight very confident, but Frank Buglioni, for me, I think probably gets the job done there. We know that Frank Buglioni can certainly go to deep waters and swim. Ricky Summers hasn't been tested in that area yet against somebody like... Like Frank Buglioni, all the very best to him. Moving over now to the Doncaster Dome, Doncaster, Yorkshire. One fight to mention on this bill for me. Gavin McDonnell, he's coming off of that loss for the world title against Ray Vargas. Gavin McDonnell, 16-1 and with two draws. His opponent yet to be announced. Moving over now to the final bill of the previewing. There was a lot of places to mention uh, we've been pretty much all over the world in terms of the reviewing and the previewing segment. We're now down to the last card. We're going to start with the undercard. It's at the Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. On the undercard, the Irish sensation Michael Conlon in his third professional fight. He takes on a man called Jarrett Owen, who has a record of five wins, four losses and three draws. It's a six-rounder at featherweight, that one. Michael Conlon um, getting out there in 
Australia, which is pretty odd to be honest. But um, all the very best to him. It's I think it's a joint promotion with Top Rank. This one. Also on the bill, the son of Shane Mosley, simply Shane Mosley Jr., 10-1. and 1. He takes on David Toussaint, who has a record of 10-0. and 0. That's a really good fight, by the way. It's an eight-rounder at middleweight there. Also, a Russian, but he's based in Las Vegas, if I'm not mistaken, Umar Salamov, really highly ranked now. He fights for the vacant IBF Australasian. That's Australasian. Australia and Asian light heavyweight title. I, as you could probably have a crack at that one, to be honest. It's also on the line with the WBO International light heavyweight title. He takes on Damian Hooper, who has a record of 12-1. and Umar Salamov, I'm going to seriously sit down and give him a bit of a attention um this weekend I'm, i haven't really seen much of him but he's he seems to be a pretty decent fighter from what i've been told also on the bill we should mention it jerwin and Cahas puts his ibf world super flyweight title on the line his record 26 and 1 he takes on teru kinushita who has a record of 25 and 1 with one draw i don't really know too much about either guy there and finally the final fight to mention top of the bill we talked about it briefly earlier it's on box nation this weekend manny pacman pacquiao 59 wins six losses and two draws puts his wbo world welterweight title on the line against jeff horn jeff horn 16 and 0 with one draw manny pacquiao gets his chance to pick up win number 60 here um i'm going to go over to you guys firstly manny pacquiao has been bashed, as I've said, for taking this opponent choice. It's a simple thing, really. You know, you've got to fight your mandatory or you get stripped, even if your name is Manny Pacquiao. I can't really fault him for taking this fight. I can't really blame him for taking this fight. It's a fight he needed to have. Otherwise, he'd be stripped. Do you see all the, uh, you know, all the people giving him some stick for it? Do, do you see where they're coming from or not? Yes, I see where they're coming from. Obviously, no one really knows who Jeff Horn is. And to be honest... And many thought the fight with Amir Khan was going to happen. However, that broke down with talks. And he, now he's fighting Jeff Horn. In my opinion, do we really want to see Jeff Horn fight? It's not really a big fight. And to be honest, I'm not even that... I'm usually, I'm, I'm usually interested in Manny Pacquiao fights. But I'm not really interested in this fight, to be honest. Because we know what's going to happen. Manny Pacquiao's going to beat him. He's Apparently, he's done a world tour, farewell world, world tour for his fight. I'll tell you a fight. He'll beat Jeff Horn, and then he'll probably go and fight someone like, um, I reckon he'll fight, in my opinion, I reckon he should fight someone like a Crawford or Lomachenko, but they said he could fight Lomachenko, but I reckon the fight he's going to fight in the future is Crawford. And to be honest, the Horn fight is really not interested in that. Not many people are really not interested because they know Pacquiao's a favourite and he's going to beat him. Yeah, I mean... um, I understand what you're saying. He's he's not really a name Jeff Horn. It is pretty... Um, unusual that Manny Pacquiao is travelling, especially to somewhere like Australia. Um, you know, he's he's fought pretty much he's fought all around the world, really. Manny Pacquiao, China, obviously the Philippines, um, you know, the US mainly. Um, over here in Australia this time, I think, and I'm going to say it now, Box Nation are making a hell of a lot of noise about Manny Pacquiao possibly fighting Bradley Skeet. If the Australians can bring up this kind of money to make Manny Pacquiao travel. I think that we've got a bit of a chance to see him over in the UK. I mean, it would be absolutely amazing to see him over here. I'd love that, especially against someone like Bradley Skeet. But those fights that you mentioned there, Lomachenko and Crawford, they're guys that really and truly are 
potentially cash out fights. I don't really think he's ready for that. I think he's probably taking one fight at a time at this point of his career. He's going to probably see how he looks. If he doesn't feel too good, maybe he'll fight one of those guys. If he does feel really good, if he looks great, then um, then perhaps he, you know, he, he, he has a few more fights, potentially Bradley Skeet next, somebody like that. Somebody of a decent name, but somebody where he's going to be the big favourite to win, which he would be against Bradley Skeet, obviously. But, um... Yeah, I mean, I'm still going to be watching it. I really like Manny Pacquiao, no matter what. I think he's, you know, a really good person. I'm a huge fan of his. Obviously, we both know, Ayers, that he's not the fighter he used to be. He seems to be more of a point-scoring fighter now. He hasn't had a knockout for a long, long time. He used to be a bit of a knockout machine back in the day. Does he get the knockout on Saturday night slash Sunday morning? Yes, I reckon he does. You reckon he finally breaks the deadlock? I reckon it'll be. I reckon it'll stop him. Well, we'll have to wait and see. But I tell you what, I don't know too much about Jeff Horn. I've got to be completely honest. But from what I've heard, some people that I would really respect inside the boxing circle, some people say that Jeff Horn's actually a really good fighter. You know, so hopefully it's a competitive fight. That's what I will say. But hopefully Manny Pacquiao gets the job done again. Uh, you know, I'm a bit of a fanboy when it comes to Pacquiao. A true. A true fantastic fighter, an ATG as they say, an all-time great. But that's really it for the preview and we've done the review and we've done the news. We did guess number one, it's now time to welcome guess number two. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the light heavyweight prospect fighting this Saturday, Mr. Jake Bull. Jake, welcome to the show, it's been a while my friend. Yes it has, John. it's been a while mate, it's been a while. Yeah, it certainly has. So, Jake, we last spoke to you in April of last year. It was the week after the Colin Farrakar fight. It was the first and last time that you've gone the distance as a pro. Uh, it's kind of crazy to think that since we last spoke, you've only boxed five rounds, but you've had four fights. So, I just want to go back a little bit. We're going to catch up a little bit here. So, the first two fights since we last spoke, you won by knockout, as per usual. It's what you usually do. And then, of course, there was the hiccup. You fought JJ McDonough on November 26th at Wembley Arena. I was ringside that night. And the thing I remember most is the whole venue being shocked into silence. The whole uh, place was completely silent. You could literally hear a pin drop when you got stopped in that fight. What do you remember from that night to forget in many ways in November last year, Jake? Just a lot of bad memories that that, that night. I think that was... um... It was one of the nights that, that we've marked down as as a massive learning curve in my career. We've um took it down as a bit of a blessing in disguise, you know what I mean? Um obviously happening so early on in my career. Um we've learned massively um, from that night and um picked up on, on a lot of a lot of small folk and um a lot a lot of silly little things obviously that we was doing, not only in that fight, but obviously getting away of it in the previous fights, obviously, um, because of, because of the, the, the level of opponents. We've been working very hard in the gym, correcting a lot of faults. to come back this March with, with a great a great win back, and I'm um, looking forward to continuing it now um, this Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. And to be fair, Jake, uh, the last thing I want to add to that night, um, you certainly know how to finish an opponent once you've got them hurt. We all know that. But sometimes, and I'm going to be honest here, you've been a little bit guilty of rushing in, not really thinking about what's coming back and just thinking about ending the fight early. Um, That is pretty much what happened. Most people forget that you had McDonough hurt and was unloading a combination when you got countered and never really recovered. It was simply just a shift in momentum 
No, 100%. Yeah, it's one of them things. That's where I, and I say again, like, it isn't just that fight. I've done it in my previous fights, but obviously I was lucky enough to get away with it. Um, but, but obviously having that step of opponent and um, just, just basically giving them a free shot, because obviously I'm obviously trying to unload wild shots myself. I've watched the fight back many a times. We've studied it. We, we've um, worked hard in the gym. And um, from Saturday, I think you're going to see a, lot, a very good, cool, calm, collected Jake Paul. Just looking for the win now, because... Um, you sort of like, rely on that straight away. I mean, like, now obviously I'm just back to my boxing, basically back to what I'm good at, being a boxer, not getting hit, moving. So I'm really looking forward to Saturday now, honestly, to just put a show on for the people, showing that I'm more than just a one, two round glass belt and, I'm, uh, and just being entertained to watch. I really just wanted to ask you, Jake, as well, um, just before, uh, you know, going on to what's, what's sort of happened this year. Um, obviously, you kind of answered it a little bit. I just wanted to really know where that, you know that 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 ending of last year it kind of ended the year on a bit of a low um that can obviously do two things it can it can make fighters hit rock bottom and also as you kind of alluded to there it can you know you can you can kind of class it as a blessing in disguise you can learn from that it sounds like you have done that which is obviously the more positive of the two outcomes no definitely the thing is like as you can see from that fight like I'm not a quitter like, like I'm, boxing is my life like, I, I've done it since a, a young boy and like basically like, I've said a lot of people come to me like I said it isn't how you lose it, it it's how you come back me and Jim Ski and the full team have put that fight long time uh, as, as an experience that you can't buy and, um, and, and, a, and a learning curve we've learned from that fight so now I'm um, that will never ever happen again throughout my career because I've been on the side of winning and I've been on the side of losing and winning's a hell of a lot better so yeah so that's the plan just keep the wins coming hopefully so yeah hopefully so of course so as you spoke about just just uh, briefly as well you returned back to the ring in March and stopped Oleg Fedotovs who's a guy that has fought loads of good fighters you stopped him in round one even though he went the distance with Rocky Fielding and Andy Lee and a few other guys took longer to dispatch of him including Chris Eubank Jr so that was a really good win by the way so now on to the next one uh, you're fighting this Saturday at the O2 Arena it's a shame that um, James DeGaulle or Dillian White aren't on the bill, but it's still a good card. Firstly, you haven't fought at the O2 since your debut. Are you looking forward to returning back there, Jake? Absolutely buzzing. Like the O2, a great, great venue um, to box in. Obviously, back in London, my, my hometown. I'm looking forward just to getting back in the ring now and just doing, obviously, what, what I love to do. Yeah, of course, of course. And you're fighting a man named Pablo Sosa. Um, he's got a record of eight and seven with three draws. It's not a standout name. It's not really a standout record, but he's actually a lot better than his record suggests. And I'm just going to yeah. drop a bit of science now for the listeners. This is a potential banana skin fight, by the way. I'm just going to uh, dissect his record um, just a moment, if you don't mind, Jake. He's only ever no, lost two unbeaten fighters. That's one thing. Yeah. Uh, he got a split yeah. draw against Edward Gutnetch. That's the guy that uh, George Groves put in a coma, unfortunately, after. After their fight. Uh, that's it. Um, and he also challenged Raymond for the world title. Yep, yep. And also, um, he, he's the one man to, and this this took a bit of digging to be completely honest. He's the one man to have beaten Richard Barangi. Now, Richard Barangi is the WBO European champion, the guy that's going to be fighting Anthony Yard a week after your fight. Um, so yeah, he's 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 eighteen and one at the moment, Barangi, and he's won losses to the guy you're fighting Saturday, and this guy actually knocked him out. So um, apart from all that, Jake, do you know much about about your opponent at all? 
No, no, well, he's uh, he's uh, I think five nine, five ten, orthodox, quite playing on his feet. Has got a great, a great deal of movement, but um, look for a big backhand. He's strong, short, compact, and just swings over that that backhand quite regularly. So a lot of fast sort of movement, hands tight, and like I said, just stick to my boxing. I'm not going in there trying to um, trying to blast out in the first round. I'm just going to box, and obviously, if it comes, it comes. But we'll, we'll get a good point win. Yeah, that, that's that's the right way to be going in, to be honest. That's the right mindset to carry into a fight like this. Um, I want to ask you as well, Jake, is the McDonough fight something that you want to avenge down the line, or has it not really bothered you? You're not really bothered about fighting yeah. again? If, if I get that fight back for a lot of that title again, or, or some sort of big fight, then 100%, because obviously, of course, you want to um, rectify a fault in, in my career, but it's, it's not a sort of fight where I'm just going to go in like, for a six or eight round and just say that, that, that um, I've beat him because he beat me. With him or there, I'm still going to go to bigger and better places. So, yeah. if it happens, then 100% we get it done. But um, obviously, all depending on if you like first of the way, what path open up for me. If something else comes along, better. Better titles, you never know. What, um, boxing's a funny game, it changes every day. So, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. But yeah. the main thing is getting your life first out of the way first. Yeah, yeah, it certainly is a funny game, though. And the last couple of questions now, Jake. Um, the main event on Saturday, Frank Buglioni versus Ricky Summers. Is that a fight that you're going to be looking at closely? I know that um, you're obviously taking kind of one fight at a time, and you certainly, um, you know, you're, you're taking it easy at the moment, and so you should. But is that a fight that you're, you know, you've got a keen eye for? Of course, yeah, definitely. Well, the thing is, like, I'm, I know myself, I obviously get to drive first away, but I'm not a million miles away from, from, from obviously, I'm competing or, or contending for, for British titles, so I'm definitely going to be um, keeping my eye out on that fight, obviously, and, and I think it, it, it definitely be, um, you never know, one of them guys in the next 6 to 12 months will be the opponent for me, so um, it'd definitely be a fight that, that I'll be watching on the night. Yeah, absolutely. And final question now, it's, it's a huge fight coming up, um, at, at middleweight, I've got, I'm really asking everybody their opinion on it. It's coming up, obviously, September. Triple G versus Canelo. Have you got an opinion on that one, Jake? For me, I, I, I think it's a good fight. I think it's um, the right fight at the right time, I think. I think like, both the guys are, are sort of in their prime at the minute. Um, they're, they're, they're both, they're both um, looking absolutely tremendous. For me, I, just, I, I think um, Triple G's last couple of fights, I think he's been shown... Before that, I think everyone thought he was like some sort of machine, some sort of robot, even though he is fantastic and you get away from him. I think Ken has got a, a bit too much movement for him. And um, also, put with the power, to me, the, the Danny Jacobs fight was a very, very close fight. I think I could have gone either way. So, yeah, I generally think that Nello's going to hit this one. Certainly a very close fight. Certainly a really exciting fight. And just before we let you go, Jake, if you've got any kind of message to send anybody, um, you know, you want to shout anybody out, you want to, you know, give a thank you to anybody, just take it away. Yeah, no, well, listen, everyone, just give me a follow on all my social media at one Jake Ball and just become a baller. Um, join the journey and let's go to the top together. <laughs> well said my friend okay listen Jake it's been a pleasure catching up with you we wish you the very best of luck for Saturday thanks for your time and we'll speak again very soon no worries Joe mate cheers mate speak to you soon okay now it's time to conclude episode 89 of the Box Hard Podcast I've been your host Joey Coastman I as Sumra has been I as Sumra firstly I'd like to apologise for the audio quality in the Jake Ball interview I really tried my best to edit the devil out of it but that is the best I could do I think he's having phone problems or something it wasn't on our end that's all I can say but regardless of that a big thank you to our two guests on this week's show Mr. Anthony Fowler and Jake the Blade Ball and by the way the thing to do to 
to win a Anthony Yard signed glove is simple. Leave us a review on iTunes and make sure that you mention your Twitter name on the review so that we can contact you over the weekend and get the glove sent out to you as soon as possible. We'll be back next week with another big show. As always, thanks for listening and see you then.